This is Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. The first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With Ken Laird from the Mud and Callahan Show. What a bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. He's the killer. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Wise Snacks and by Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Bruins. Beast is winning, you know, we got a lot of losses. Yeah, we got a lot of losses. Lace them up for some beast talk right now on Sports Radio WEEI. Let's just get right to this, uh, Matt Calvin. Why in the hell is Marcus Johansson (laughs) in Buffalo? Well, we had one tweeter say that he just wanted to get out of Boston. (laughs) That's pretty funny. What did he get out of Boston? I think we've come a long way from that. I mean, the fact is he's not there because the Bruins don't have the cast base, and they don't want to risk going over, and they're obviously not planning necessarily on using LTIR on Moore or Miller. And uh, they're content to either get – I mean, they could get a bargain at some point here, depending on how this shakes out. But for the most part, they're content with in-house replacements for not only – uh, Johansson, but for that hole that they've had in top six for a couple years now. Well, you didn't really answer my question. Yeah. Why is Marcus Johansson in Buffalo? He is a Buffalo Sabre yeah. for two years and $9 million. He's playing for a rookie head coach in Ralph Kruger for a team that over the last 57 games per the Buffalo News had an NHL worst 40 points and was a minus 55. Yeah. Where they've done pretty much nothing in free agency. Well, they did trade for Colin Miller. They added Jimmy VC and uh, Jeff Skinner, who's obviously a good player. But this team is not going to contend, right? You signed a two-year. Yeah, I think he signed a two-year because he doesn't, he doesn't want to be there contract. long. What the? F- you know what? He might actually end up being the one that gets the most out of these guys that are left over. I mean, uh, Michael Furlan's still out there unsigned. Uh, Jake Gardner's still out there unsigned. He obviously saw the the marketplace going where it was going and decided to. Uh, at least get the money. I mean, it's not a great, it's not a great payday, but it's only two years, yeah, and so he, saw, he gets he, he goes saw UFA against two years. He saw plenty of other. I mean, yeah. Well, you know what? Too. He, I mean, what obviously, not, get? only a thirty point season last year because he only played fifty something games. Um, he's betting on himself. He's betting on getting a, a couple of years here where he puts up, you know, sixty seventy points maybe, and and, and gets the bigger deal in two years. Well, I mean, I, this is really a head scratcher. No, forget about the Bruins for a second. Just in terms of Johansson, I, I guess I get what you're saying. So. He, He's saying the stock's low on me. Why? Because my well, point production is down or Point production health? and health, I guess. I guess people are looking at that more. I mean, obviously, the, the injury this year, <laughs> nothing he could do about getting a punctured lung or whatever it was, bruised lung. But uh, clearly, he uh, th- th- people were shying away from him. He does have a concussion history. That slowed him down at the beginning of last year. We know why that happened. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it is kind of baffling that the Bruins couldn't have done that. But maybe he didn't want to do that here. You know, because obviously, if you're in Buffalo, they're promising a, t- a top six role probably, and he can put up the numbers. If he's here and he's in a third line role, you might not see the same uh, production. And that, then, what's the point of the two years? Well, no, I didn't see that. Have they promised him? I mean, I, I guess it goes without saying. Well, no, yeah. it doesn't go without saying because the, repeatedly over the last couple of days, you hear these uh, stories citing that he might go back to center, which was his natural position yeah, when he I was think drafted in 2009. I think that's getting blown out of proportion. Way Buffalo, out of proportion. Yeah, Buffalo people says talking. they didn't even talk to him about it. Yeah, exactly. That's just something that the Buffalo people came up with because they're looking for the second-line center. They don't want Middlestat to be rushed into that spot. So everyone in the Buffalo media is just trying to figure out where if they're going to get a second-line center. But Now, this uh, is hilarious. The, yeah. the, the, he had a conference call yesterday with the Buffalo media, <laughs> and this is a uh, <laughs> at the end of the Buffalo news story from Lance Lasowski. Are you familiar with uh, Double no, L? No, no. Okay. 
Though many of his teammates lack such experience, talking about his playoff experience, oh Johansson, because Johansson's made yeah. five straight playoffs. Right. Johansson said Buffalo's 10-game win streak in November has him encouraged that the young roster is capable of much more. So you're well, telling me you're telling me Marcus Johansson really pulled out the Buffalo Sabres 2018 schedule and said, "Boy, look, they were hot in November. This team <laughs> right. really has to be thinking." Two-year, nine million dollar no. deal sounds right. He went where sounds the money. Just I mean, maybe right. there were maybe there were other offers in there, but he went where the money was. And this is where the money was. Two years and nine million. It is because this. You know what? We're starting to see the trickle, the slight trickle of what's happened in baseball, where teams are more content, especially with a hard cap and then not going up as much. They're content to stick with their younger, cheaper in-house than spend money on these guys. Because you know what? Too. When they go five years and six million on a guy like this, they get laughed at, right? People ridicule them, just like Bergevin getting ridiculed for the offer sheet. Everyone complains for a decade that we haven't had an offer sheet. Why doesn't he offer sheet? As soon as he does it, everyone jumps all over the guy and makes fun of him. I explained on the last podcast why it was a good idea. People in people with much bigger names and larger platforms continue to say it was a bad idea because well, it didn't work. Pretty much, they're stupid. It was worth a shot. That was the point. What, what did he lose? He didn't lose anything. There wasn't anyone he was going to sign. And in the meantime. He's still he's still not done. Who knows who he may still these RFAs are still out there. He might throw another one out there. Know, who knows? There's this constant threat of Mitch Marner. The next one is coming, right? Yeah, Marner or or Braden Point still out there. I mean, these guys are still available. All right, to the Boston side of it. And by the way, coming up later in the podcast here, we have uh, two preeminent experts on the Bruins and all things NHL. First of all, our good friend Pete Blackburn is going to check in at some point. We'll get Pete's explanation, rationale, thoughts on this. Um. And first time we've talked to Pete since he's been signed by the New Jersey Devils, so we congratulate him <laughs> on that. And Maria from Watertown, yep. probably most importantly, will join us here shortly. Absolutely. She's fired up. She's got, we give her five minutes, so we have a time limit, or she's just going to let her give her go? however long she needs to go, because you know what? I mean, it's got to be tough, but there's hardly any hockey talk. I mean, certainly right. you're not going to hear any hockey talk here. They're too busy talking about women's soccer <laughs> on this station, and I don't know what goes on over on Brand, on brand X. I don't know what goes on. But, uh, yeah, she needs to get it off her chest, and I don't blame her. Okay, good. So that's coming up. But from the Boston point of view, you said it all. How can you really explain, if you're Don Sweeney, not being able to afford two years of $9 million for Marcus Johansson? Uh, yeah, because, I mean, there's just so many options. I bet I bet each of those RFAs, McAvoy, Carlo, Heinen, I bet they all have multiple options from the Bruins, whether it's bridge deals or longer-term, you know, lesser money deals. And he has no idea where they're going to come in at this point. And you, you can't. It's not 100% his fault because, obviously, there's so many RFAs in the holding pattern. But nonetheless, um, you had since last July 1st to at least get the McAvoy thing done. And, you know, we know that they, they had turned down an offer, I guess, is, is the report, that he turned down a, a, a um, Ekblad-type 7x7 or something like that, right? Supposedly, I guess, Fluto reported that. Um, I don't know what more he thinks he's going to get at this point. But uh, maybe well, he, maybe he wanted a shorter term deal to bet on himself too, and I don't you know I don't know what these guys are doing locking into these eight year deals when you know seven and eight year deals when they're in their twenties when you know that the next CBA the next TV deal is going to expand the money that's available in this realm and that's how you're going to end up that's how David Krejci winds up making more than Patrice Bergeron because guys just lock themselves in and. Uh, you know, it's great for the hockey well, ethos. I, I, but I, I tell you what, I told this Johansson signing has me totally believing that the Bruins are having trouble yeah. with their RFAs. 
they're confused, and to the point where they probably told Johansson, look, we're out, and he's pissed off about it and went to a competitor and signed. Like, I, I mean, I, well, I, bet you, yeah. I bet you if you ask Marcus Johansson what he thinks of the Bruins and Don Sweeney, he says, <laughs> F them. You know, like, I, yeah. everything I did for you, they wouldn't even talk to me. They weren't right, even, like, they didn't offer. I, mean, I guess talking and you know, offering are two different things. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's terrible, but I guess you got to kind of understand that, too. And there could still be, like I said, a bargain out there. I don't know what Michael Froman's going to get into at this point with uh, – with things drying up as much as there, there aren't that many jobs out there right now, unless you want to go play in Edmonton, and uh, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. So, Pasternak and DeBrusque are pretty proven commodities for the Bruins, despite Dale ripping DeBrusque after his uh, cup failures. That was one of his. No, uh, today Dale was ways. ripping some guy in Dunkin' Donuts talking on his phone. We're not trying to pin blame on anybody. You lose as a team, you win as a team. Yep. I understand that, mm-hmm. but a couple of guys in particular here in the Stanley Cup Final really came up empty for this team. I yep. think of Pasternak, who you mentioned. I think of Jake DeBrusque, who we haven't mentioned yet. You think Charlie Coyle's going to move the wing, but we'll get to that in a second. Let's assume he doesn't. Yeah. This is a bet on Danton Heinen and yeah. Carson Coleman. And Peter Solarik. And Solarik. Who, who you bring him back That's now. And you still think you're going to get something out of him. Uh, and, you know, Ryan Fitzgerald. Uh, who else are we forgetting? Anders Bjork. Oh, Studnicker, Bjork. Yep. All these guys. And, I mean, Don Sweeney went as far as to call, bring up 30 year old Paul Carey. Oh, Paul and, Carey. And, yeah. and Zach Sedition, who just seems like he's 30 years old because we've been talking about him so long. So And Brett Ritchie. I mean, if there's uh, if there's strength in numbers, that's fine. And I guess if you roll the dice out of like eight of them, one of them might be a fit for at least the third line. All right, Matt. Now to the line we go. Yep. Uh, Maria in Watertown is uh, she needs no introduction. Her and uh, our good friend uh, Fred in New Hampshire have been <laughs> the uh, stalwarts of the Sunday Skate Program. We have no idea if Fred has a phone line. Yeah, I don't cell think phone, New Hampshire phone lines work. So somewhere. doesn't work. Yeah. So love to hear about the panga. Uh, you talk to Maria. You want to set up this uh, conversation? Yeah, I just think that you know there's inadequate places for people who are frustrated with the Bruins at this point, or maybe even if they have something nice to say to, to uh, express their uh, opinions at this time of year because, right. you know, everyone's talking about women's soccer and home run derbies and juiced balls, and there's not there doesn't seem to be any room for hockey on the air. So I figure use the podcast to uh, give these people who have been so kind to listen to us all season to uh, get some stuff off their chest. Great. So Maria joins us now. How are you, Maria? Um, well, thank you guys, as always, for the uh, opportunity to uh, get a few things off my uh chest where my beloved Bruins are concerned. <laughs> now, you've had a couple of weeks to let it digest here, the Game 7 defeat. Uh, you know, we, we had a couple of days of conversation after the loss, and mostly it was whether the Bruins choked uh, and who was to blame. Uh, have you Now that you've let it uh, kind of settle in a little bit, how, how are you feeling? Well, it still, um, you know, it still stings, obviously, because, you know, as, as seasoned hockey fans, and, and you guys know more, more than I do, it is very, very difficult to get to that position to begin with. And with the pass that was put forth in front of them, with you know Tampa being eliminated, and to get to that Game 7 and see such an underwhelming performance, I think it's going to take quite a while for a lot of us to, to, to get past that. It was very disappointing to see you know, our, our veterans, the core leaders who just weren't able to come through um, in that big moment. And I think um, they're going to have regrets for quite some time because who knows how long it's going to take to get back there again. And who do you blame? I was very disappointed in our first line. And, and it pains me to say this because, you know, after, after number four, Bobby Orr, uh, I view Patrice Bergeron as my second favorite all-time Bruin. Um, but to say that that line was inconsistent and underwhelming during most of the playoffs is, um, 
an understatement. And the fact that you lost three out of four home games right. in the Stanley Cup Finals, which to me is, is inexcusable. And I think Cassidy also, I'd, I'd lay a little blame with him because, you know, for, for all the line manipulating he did throughout the course of the season, I don't think he did enough of it during this series. And, yeah. and I think it did cost him a bit. Yeah, and you know, exactly. I wouldn't blame him for Game 7 particularly, but obviously the course of a series, he definitely got, uh, he was constantly reacting instead of being proactive, for sure. Proactive, yeah. And Marshawn in particular, you know, was he seemed kind of shell-shocked after the game. We, you know, we talked to him in the dressing room. He didn't, he sort of admitted he screwed up, but he really right. didn't. He didn't fall on the sword so yeah, much. And you know what's funny, too? People keep bringing that up, and this is I'm guilty of this as well because we focus on that last game, but watching some highlights and things over the last couple of weeks on YouTube and stuff, trying to catch up on what I might have missed <laughs> trying to watch a game <laughs> from behind a pole, um, the uh, you know we can't forget the Marshan mistake that he made earlier in the series uh, on the Tarasenko goal where he didn't pick up Tarasenko and the guy scored on his own rebound. I actually saw that it was one of the best goals of the finals on the highlight reel, and I said, "Oh, this wasn't Game Seven wasn't Brad Marshan's first mess up." So no. we need to like uh, expand our you know opinions and say, "Oh, gee, he kind of did screw up a lot more than we thought in that series." Yeah. yeah, and you know you don't expect that you know, and and I know it's hard to make comparisons between you know, one team or another. But, you know, when you look at the the championship pedigree that we have here in Boston and how those teams are coached and how those players focus, and, and I'm speaking of the Patriots, those mental mistakes don't happen very often. And right. I think that's why it's even more frustrating and more disappointing. You know, I expected maybe guys like, you know, Corrali or DeBrusque or, you know, those younger guys where, you know, this was their first opportunity to be in a Stanley Cup finals and to, to make those types of mistakes, not our core guys who have been there, done that before. Yeah. Well, knowing, uh, I, you know, you've called it many times, and I, I get the sense that you were not a huge Don Sweeney fan coming into the season and even into the to the postseason necessarily, and he took a lot of the heat. Matt, that you and I were right in the middle of that Toronto series. We were uh, criticizing some of his moves. Then all of a sudden, he's executive of the year, and he's, <laughs> he's taking the award down in Vegas. How do you feel about Sweeney here today now, the 9th of July, Maria, after uh, very little activity on the free agent market? Well, I'm, I'm still feeling um... – I did at one point, if I remember correctly, give give him credit for the moves that he yes, he did. did make at the deadline. Now it, it's hard to make a really true and accurate, I think, assessment of him, given the cap situation that they're in right now. And if he's able to maneuver himself around this cap, then he will have definitely earned that award and <laughs> and some. Right. Um, because I just don't know how he's going to get out of this cap mess that they're in right now. Well, it's already cost them Johansson. We were just talking about that before you joined us. I mean, there's years, only, there's only one way out of it, and clearly he's not willing to pay the price to, to move David Backus, and that's kind of disappointing. I mean, whether right. or not Toronto is better or worse at this point, uh, their general manager has done the necessary cap shedding, has to do some more to get Marner in there, but clearly he's done enough to at least get Kapanen in. Uh, get uh, Janssen and get uh, and then bring in a guy like CC and uh, and Don Sweeney's not doing any of that. Well, is it a question of he's not doing it or he can't? Because honestly, I, I, you know, I, I went through some stats and whatnot, but who's going to take 
David Backus off your hands at this well, point. Yeah, you'd have to package him with a first-round yeah, pick right, and maybe more. I right mean, now, probably well, more. a sweetener and then probably retain some salary even. But yeah. wouldn't you like to at least get the $3 million off your books? Uh, the $3 million probably helps you at least – you know, maybe bring in Johansson or keep Johansson or maybe bring in somebody else. Uh, that's well, similar. You need, so. you need that three million alone yeah, right. just to try and pay McAvoy, Carlo, and Heinen. Right. So I mean, he's put himself in a mess here and uh So you yeah, sound like you, that, you understand though. You you feel for Sweeney. You're not you're not ready to crush him today. No, I'm not ready to crush him. I mean, well, then what I, are we I having you on A little bit because <laughs> well, yeah, a little bit. He, you know, because he, he you know, he's the one who provided that contract to David Backus, right? So we can't blame the players yeah. when they get those contracts, right? I mean, you can't say no to that kind of money. Nope. But I'm not quite sure what he was thinking at that time to give Backus that kind of money and that kind of, of term. Right, the term so is the worst I guess part. We right? can, yeah, the term is, is the worst part. And, you know, I'm looking around the roster going, okay, well, where can he open up some space to give these guys, McAvoy, Carlo, and, and Heinen, the potential projected money that people are saying that they're going to be commanding. You know, can you, if you, even if you trade Kevin Miller, that's only going to take $2.5 million right. off. You still don't have enough money yep. to pay all three guys. And I'm really worried about going into the season without McAvoy and Carlo being extended. Well, we're going to have you on uh, again, obviously, here throughout the uh, the offseason if, if that's uh, something you'd like to do, Maria. But before we let you go, I mean, you realize you've become the preeminent Bruins caller in the city of Boston. You are number one. You're at the, are, you, are you, like, celebrated uh, when you're out and about? Do people recognize you? Or are you aware of your status at this point? Well, it, it's, it's funny you say that because um, it's interesting that I do have people and it's very flattering walking up to me and say, hey, are you Maria from Watertown? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and my kids will have people, you know, sending them notes, their, their peers saying, hey, I heard your mom on the radio. She sounds really good. Who was the first show you called? Like, how, how far back does it go, your uh, sports talk show calling days? So I moved, I moved back to the Boston area in um, 2009, and I started calling sports talk radio um, in earnest in 2011 when the Bruins started their um, Stanley Cup run. I wasn't working full time. I had some time on my hands and I've always listened to sports talk radio. I just, I thoroughly enjoy it. And, you know, I learn a lot and I clearly have my own opinions, but um, I started with um, the Felger and Maz show calling them and my, my claim to fame there was referring to um, Roberto Luongo as a $10 million piece of poop. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, I'm mad oh, at that. He loves, he loves that. the fecal references, yeah. What a poop storm. I mean, you're at the point now, you should have your own podcast. I mean, God, you should have your own talk show. Mutt's got his talk show. I mean, you, you should be on the air. <laughs> well, well, let me share some time with Mutt. I bet I could keep him engaged. I'll work Ken. on that. I will work on that. <laughs> <laughs> Especially during Bruins M- season, Mutt doesn't like to be on the air with anyone too much smarter than him. That's so. true, which which limits the field uh, quite a bit. Uh, well, good. Well, we're we're glad you're going strong. We're happy to have you here on the the new skate pod. So we'll uh, we'll we'll dial you back up as uh, as time warrants and as situations warrant. If that's okay with you, I'm happy to join um, anytime. You know how to reach out to me, and I, I really I really do appreciate um, the opportunity and all sincerity. If I if I could. Uh, 
if I could make this a second career, I definitely would. Sounds good. Thanks, Sounds Maria. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. We go from one celebrity directly to another. Pete Blackburn now joins us here on the Skate Pod. His first appearance on the podcast, Arm, of Sunday Skate. You will agree that uh, the addition of Pete Blackburn was uh, really what, what drove us, Matt, throughout the uh, postseason. That was an unbelievable ad. Oh, absolutely. Great midseason pickup. How else would I wake up on a Sunday? And hopefully he was finally paid. But I'm not sure if that actually happened, but I think that happened. Well, around here, cares the checks quick, right? Uh, but he's now you're relegated to you're backing up Maria in Watertown. She was first uh, billing on the podcast, Pete. So how do you feel about that? I mean, Maria is a superstar, so I'm I'm totally fine with with uh, being carried on her wing. That's that's totally fine by me. And I did get paid, by the way. That's oh, the only thing that really matters. That is so. the only thing that matters. Good. That's the only reason you're appearing on. This podcast, granted, on the phone, but we're not going to ask you to come in for for a little spot. Now, Maria was actually somewhat uh, understanding of the plight of Don Sweeney. How do you feel the Bruins have done here in the offseason since we last spoke? I mean, it's 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 frustrating, but not surprising. I mean, it's it's he's got uh, a, a tough tough uh, duties in front of him, given the way that the roster looks and the way that the cap looks, and so uh, it, I'm not at all surprised. Uh, obviously, I think. There's going to need to be more things that happen uh, throughout the rest of the summer, but uh, we'll see sort of how he maneuvers. But, I mean, to this point, it's not shocking that that they haven't made much noise, that's for sure. Now, I I just don't get the Johansson thing. Can you explain this to me? I mean, you got more sources than I do. Why is he in Buffalo for two years and $9 million, and the Bruins couldn't afford that? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you look at the fact that, you know, had they been able to get Bacchus off the cap or something like that, it's just, I mean, it, it's really frustrating that you lose Johansson uh, at that price because it's very, very, very affordable for, for his caliber of play. And then we know that it works because the second half of the year, he looked really good for them. And he uh, he obviously enjoyed playing here. At least that's, you know, that's what he said after the season ended and he wanted to stay. So I, I think that it's frustrating to see how that played out, especially the contract that he got in Buffalo. But again, you, you look at the cap and you look at how how many guys they have to pay, and you know that you obviously have to pay McAvoy and Carlo and and you know Heinen. So uh, it, it's not easy to give out that money without moving contracts off the book, and they clearly haven't been able to do that thus far. Yeah, I think the backest thing is the most frustrating part right now because clearly there are ways to get this done. Um, and clearly Sweeney's not willing to bite, bite the bullet, and you wonder what he's really thinking here. Is he really going to bring back a guy who makes $6 million to compete? He's not even he's not even giving him a fourth-line job. He's asking him to compete for a fourth-line job. A, a proud guy, a guy that you have you know have a lot of you know faith in as far as being a person, and you're going to embarrass this guy. You need to do all you can to move him out. And, and to that point, Matt, I mean, even if you trade him now, now the timing is so effed up, why didn't you trade him months earlier? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Well, they had to wait for his his trade list, and they had to, you know, they obviously had that. they had that a teams, week ago. And but teams were still trying to see what they were going to sign. You know, now you know which teams have cap space, and there's not much else to spend it on right now at this point in the year. You know which teams can take them. I don't know. What do you think, Pete? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm kind of wondering what the the move is. If you can't move him, do you buy him out? I know you don't get uh, too much of a savings this year if you buy him out, but the, it might be worth it for what you get next year. I think it's. Uh, north of three and a half million dollars of relief if you, if you buy them out. So I, I still think that there's there's got to be somebody willing to take on that deal uh, for a, a cap floor team. Um, maybe you retain some of the money, but I think right. that buying them out should be the, the last option because 
it's really not much of a savings, especially this year. They need to free up that money this year. I mean, we know the most savings they would get without moving him would be to bury him in the minors, but you're really going to do that to this poor guy, <laughs> all he's been through for this team, and you're, you're not going to do that. Now, maybe another team might be willing to do that, um, but then, you know, so then maybe you don't have to retain as much or maybe you don't have to put as much of a sweetener if, they're, if the team is planning on doing that, but he's taking up a roster spot, too, and now we're talking about a guy like Solaric who I'm not enamored with, but he has to go through waivers. There's other prospects that will have to go through waivers. You, you you could at least you know keep a guy as a 13 forward if you don't have this guy taking up not only the cap space but the roster spot. It, it's kind of silly to have this guy still around at this point unless you really think he's going to have this revival. But we know that's not going to happen because they thought he was going to have a revival before last year. And he he doesn't even seem confident that he's going right. to have a revival. I mean, you talked to him after last year, and he was like, I, I realize that there's a good chance I won't be back here. So right. This guy realizes that he's not playing well yeah. and it's not the player that he once was. I mean, it's, they've been so uh, vague about this injury. I'm wondering if they're crossing every part of their body trying to say, maybe this will be an LTIR situation or, or even a retirement situation. Um, they won't give in to what it is. Um, are they worried that maybe he'll he'll foul some concussion tests? Remember, the, Savard, he came back the next training camp, didn't know that he was going to be out, right? They, they they announced that on the day of training camp opening. So um, maybe that's what they're holding out hope for here, but it doesn't help you right now if you're not freeing up. You can put him on LTR now even and free up that cash space, but they're not doing that. Yeah, I mean, it certainly wouldn't be the the first case of, of cap circumvention in, in the sure. league. There's been plenty of sketchy things that, that happen. Uh, you know, look at Chicago with, with Hosa and, and things like that. You know, I just think they're probably going down the checklist of, of what they can do with – because I really do think it probably starts with Baptist because I think they want to move him out. And, and if they are able to do that, that opens up some other doors for them. Um, so it's, I think they're going down the checklist and seeing which what they can do with him. All right, uh, the biggest uh, moves that since we've last spoken, Pete, uh, Panarin goes to the Rangers. Bergevin put an offer sheet for Ajo, which Kalman loves, by the way. He's uh, thrilled at this. Most people think Bergevin's a total idiot for uh, pissing off the Canes. Not going to ridicule not a, a guy for doing was, what everyone's been asking him yeah, to do. Yeah, but it was, the deal was not realistically going to It was to be realistic good. if the guy didn't have the not, money. It was not. Well, the guy had the money. Uh, anyway, the, sh- the, the, the shaking of power, so to speak, in the East, uh, you know, the, the massive contract to uh, – uh, Bobrovsky to go to Florida, or, or the big takeaways from July first from Pete. Uh, the big takeaway for me was that Bobrovsky uh, got way too much money. I mean, I mean, good for him for cashing in, but uh, to pay that guy until his late thirties, you know, ten million dollars a year is uh, that's good luck with that. I, I don't, I don't see that that deal looking too great in a couple of years. Never mind. I think uh, it, until I think it can have a chance to go up, look bad in a couple of months. <laughs> Yes, I mean, that's, that's absolutely true. Uh, but, I mean, they're going for it, so I guess you, you give them some credit for that because you can't win without a good goaltender. And uh, he was the best goaltender on the market. Uh, I probably would have went with uh, Varlamov if I had the choice, uh, given that, given their two uh, their two numbers. Or even, you know, Robin Leonard. Yeah. Uh, had they gone for Robin Leonard, I, I think that Leonard was the big loser in terms of the year that he had and so only weird. got a one-year $5 million deal. And when you look at the year Bobrovsky had, which was significantly worse, he got $70 million. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that Bobrovsky was a big winner. But, um, you know, other deals, I like the Panarin deal. I think that he got they, – they paid a premium. They overpaid for him. But I, I, I like him going to New York. It's uh, a very speedy rebuild for for New York. I love their offseason and, and what they've been able to do, especially the Truba deal. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that, you know, there have been – 
I was surprised that Duchesne didn't get more money than he actually did. Uh, I know it's it's mm. probably still an overpayment for Duchesne, but uh, I'm surprised that he didn't cash in uh, harder with everything working in his favor. But I think that he wanted to go to Nashville and Nashville, uh, Tennessee, no income tax, right? Right. Right. And the so biggest, yeah, that makes sense. Well, the so. biggest surprise was you praised the Leafs for that uh, Tyson Berry trade. You actually praised Toronto. Hmm. Yeah, I, I know. Well, I mean, I love that deal. I thought that deal was great. Uh, I think you, you move a guy like Kadri, who was probably on his way out the door anyway, or should have been, given uh, that he can't he can't be trusted in the playoffs. And you get a guy in Barry, who's who's a top pairing defenseman, not an easy guy to acquire. And I think that he's he's a really good defenseman uh, and will fit in with that system. And they absolutely need to do something to to offset losing Gardner. And I think that you probably upgrade there. Uh, or you know, it might be a wash, but I think that Barry's as close as you can get to to acquiring a guy uh, that will offset Gardner, and they they were able to capitalize on the on the Avalanche sort of being deep in that in that position and, and making Barry expendable. So uh, a good move from from Toronto, but at the end of the day, I think that none of these top three teams in the Atlantic have gotten better. Um, you know. Uh, Tampa's basically stayed the same. Toronto's probably the same, maybe a little worse. And the Bruins are, are this, exactly the same. So uh, it's pretty much status quo at this point, I feel like. Yeah, I think, the, I think the Toronto thing, we can't really judge them until this Mara thing gets done because for all the Canadian media writing about, oh, he's an Ontario boy, how could he not want to stay, and all these different options that he has contract-wise, we don't know that he's in, that he's going to be back there because he's not going to be pressured clearly into but taking. Even he, but even if he does sign there, yeah, and especially if he signs there at at a at a premium, if he if he makes you know ten and a half, ten ten right. and a half million dollars, I think that team is not any better than last year. Right. I I just think that they're they're pretty much the same. And if you lose Marner, you're obviously taking a significant step down. Sure. Um, so they're they're sort of they've done okay with their situation, but it's certainly not ideal. Right. And now the biggest news of July, though, coming out of Canada, Pete, on a on a scale of ten to a thousand, how excited are you for Don Cherry coming back for another year? <laughs> oh, I'm very excited because of uh, Sunday Skate. He provides so much content for Sunday Skate. Exactly. Uh, and so uh, you know he's back, then we're back, and I love that. <laughs> well, Pete's uh, already got a contract with the Devils. That was. Uh, Unbelievable! You pulled that off, and a, a, and a the, picture with Bob McKenzie. A deal with the devil? Yeah, exactly. So it's been the summer of Pete. Other Takes than, one to no one. Other, <laughs> other than the Bruins losing. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right about the division. You 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 have to say by default Buffalo got better, and, and Florida got better in goal. So, I mean, it, this division's pretty bizarre actually right now. It was this past season where the Blue Jackets didn't take Bobrovsky on a road trip with them because he was so oh, messed up, right? Just, Wasn't it? It was this past season. Yeah, they had uh, he he uh, did he, he either didn't get pulled or he did get pulled. Right, he had uh, yeah. he blew up on oh, right. Torello a little bit, and they and he, didn't carry him. And he went uh, to the in that, that right. Well, he went to the Quinville. locker room. They got Quinville. They'll be better. And so now he's worth ten million dollars. Oh my god! I think the Bruins might miss the playoffs. I think there's a chance what? they could miss the playoffs. Kidding me? I, I, uh, if there's, there's a, the cup hangover worry, and. Just, you if know, there's a cup hanger to cup hangover to happen, I would put more money on the Blues not making the playoffs next year than the Bruins not making Ooh. the playoffs. Well, they're going to lose Pat Maroon. That's going to destroy everything, right? Uh, I guess so. I, yeah, I can't see the Bruins missing the playoffs because, at the very least, those wild, wild cards card, that, right that, that Metro is not that great. 
Um, those teams are all, I mean, the Rangers will be better, but I don't think uh, anybody's really going to challenge. You know, somebody's going to drop out too, whether it's, you know, Pittsburgh or whoever. Well, uh, what's next for Pete? You got uh, summer vacation? What's going on? Yeah, I got some trips going, and I got uh, I got a little uh, end of summer surprise that I can't ruin for for anybody. Oh. Uh, but uh, it'll be it's it's very exciting. I, I'll just <laughs> tease it a little bit on this program. Right. Uh, watch out for the end of end of summer. It's going to be uh, fantastic. Pete, you're the man. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. All right, talk to you soon, Pete. All right, there you have it, Pete Blackburn, and we've got no answers basically for why Johansson hasn't been signed. Uh, both Maria and why, Pete sympathize. Why didn't sign here anyway? Yeah, well, right, was not signed here, and why Bacchus hasn't been moved, or what yeah. the Bruins are going to do with Bacchus. I do like your theory though that they're trying something sneaky's on the horizon. They're going to try some funny business. Listen, that w- that would make some sense actually. That would be the only thing that makes sense. This is, this is the one thing that keeps coming to my mind. Don Sweeney's biggest thing he keeps saying is that he understands that there's a lot of there was a lot of tax on the players playing over 100 games. Older guys, a lot of minutes. He wants to have strength in numbers. Wants to have a lot of depth. There's going to be opportunity for guys, especially in the preseason, to play more because these guys, the the, the veteran guys, aren't going to play that much. But if you're so worried about the Stanley Cup hangover and the wear and tear, how can you not bring in legitimate NHL guys right. to fill in right. and and compete for these jobs? I mean, Para Lindholm and Brett Ritchie are fine, but at best they're probably on your fourth line, maybe your third line on a team that's not as good as last year. Yeah. You're gonna have to really. You have to move the Bacchus thing. You have to get these three guys RFA signed, and then you have to find another NHL player to fill in there. Well, that's the other problem with the RFA thing. If they, if if it is a fight for a wild card spot, points are at a premium, and if oh, these yeah. guys actually actually hold out they, until December, that would be a disaster. That would be an absolute disaster because you know what? I mean, we saw Nylander, yeah, what he not, did not the to, to the Maple Leafs. He wasn't yeah. the same. The team wasn't great, but. These guys, Carlo and McAvoy, are a lot more important to the Bruins than Nylander was to the Maple Leafs. I mean, that's not some hot yeah. take that I'm coming up with. This is actual right. fact. Right. I mean, this is basically this is your number one ice time defenseman, and what we saw in the playoffs, your number one shutdown defenseman, and you're coming back with a char a year older, and you know whether Grizzly can. We know Grizzly and crew aren't going to carry the team. Um, I mean, Vakanainen is going to play. This has play to, a lot of minutes. You would think. Yep. This is going to get done. I mean, you have to. They cannot. It should have been done July one. You didn't get it done. Before, you know, July one last year. I'm talking. I'm not talking this yep. year. Um, get it done now. You cannot. You know, whatever it takes. You can't go into the season without it. It actually. It actually feels like Krug. They're going to get it done. The the other guys are the problem. That I don't know. I mean, Krug is still not done. You still so can't get the say Krug. That, but... You still need to get that back. You can't buy him out now, right? So you can say I'm going to buy him out next year, mm-hmm. but you can't. You can't. You have to, a certain number of money. A certain number. You can't go over next year's cap before next year, right? So you this, there's not, there's so much they call it tagging. You can't. There's just so much tagging space you have to ex- extend so, Krug, so they can't announce and it, then even also even extend if, Car- if you're yeah. extending Carlo McAvoy Heinen to next year. Or maybe it's just this year. If you're going, to, maybe that's a talking one year deal with Heinen. I wouldn't, you know, if I was Danton Heinen and I'm looking at LeBanc, what he just did with San Jose, oh, yeah, one, year, one year, one million, million betting on himself. Yeah. If I'm Danton Heinen, I might try to do that a little bit. I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world when you're in the 20s. You're still making a million, or even let's say he wants to go one year, two million. That would really help the team. Um, of course, it also makes you super tradable. So. I don't know. Well, real quick, uh, you had a p7ei.com that Charlie Coyle is the answer on wing. Now that Marcus Johansson is a goner, uh, explain yourself why. Well, the more I like it, the more I think about it, the more I like it. I like the way he skates. I like the way he, he plays straightforward. This, this is the guy we complained about for not being able to finish 
nor shooting. Well, if he's playing with Bergeron and, and Marshan, he doesn't necessarily have to be the shooter. I mean, Marshan's the trigger man there, and maybe he, he shot a lot more when he came to the Bruins. He averaged two shots per game after he came to the Bruins, so clearly he got over that a little bit. Um, sometimes these guys, you know, David Krejci goes through the same streaks where he doesn't shoot enough, and then he wakes up and does, and everyone says, oh, we didn't know you could shoot like that, because yeah. you, know, you never do. Uh, in the regular season, they got by pretty much last year with one line. If you put Coyle in your top six, you now have two lines that at least gets you through the regular season. Now, would you necessarily want to then shift Coyle to third line center to start the playoffs? Obviously not. Um, but still, you could still if this Paul Lindholm lives up to his expectations. I, I don't have a problem with Corrali. You know, people were saying, "Oh, he, he failed at the third line center." Corrali basically was your third line center last year. That line, you know, NBC Sports net can call it a fourth line, but it was basically a third, sometimes a second line with the ice time they played, right? The Corrali, Achari, and, and Wagner I mean, Achari's gone, so, but yeah, you'll so, so maybe it'll be Corrali, maybe it'll be Corrali, uh, Wagner, right. and Nordstrom. It still could be a third line. It could be a fourth line. Um, if it's Corrali with Heinen and someone else, then it, then it could be a third line. I mean, the, the third and fourth line is so interchangeable the way Bruce uses them. I'm not too worried about it. So then at least you have, so if you put Coyle top six, you got a top, you got two lines that can play and score, both play both ways. And then you go for you know a, th- a third and fourth line that are maybe more checking lines. It gets you by in this league these days. The, the teams are deeper because there's more players, but they're not necessarily that much more talented. I mean, every team still has you know a drop off when they get past the first. But two you lines. don't see Trent Frederick or Jack Stanicka being the. Center I don't answer. think. So. That, I mean, Studnicka, like- Sweeney was pretty adamant, even though Jamie Lingenbrood opened the door. Uh, and Studnicka, you know, they're trying to make him seem like he's uh, the next coming of yeah, Bergeron. The next Bergeron yeah. So Joey McDonald well, just wrote that bo- he's the centerman, both, top line center. Well, both, the next both in the way he plays hockey and the fact that they're acting like he's the son of God as opposed to God. <laughs> um, but first of all, Jack Studnicka has not accomplished one thing in professional hockey yet, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, clearly adamant that he wants to be him to be a center. And I don't blame them. You, you, you know what? You raise the guy to be a center, and then you have to move him to the wing later. You do that. You don't want to start the other way. And Trent Fredericks, you know, just, you know, he could be a third line center, but I wouldn't see him on a wing on a top six line on a team that wants to con- that wants to combat. Con- now it's, it's not a bad. I I, I I agree. It's not a bad idea. So you back it up with some logic. But what are the chances that Coyle actually is on the wing? With Bergeron and Marchand well, I think it's probably slimmer because I think Bruce Cassidy is enamored with this, you know, one, two, three, three center thing. Model, yeah. And the other aspect, and I brought this up a little bit, was, you know, you're getting down to the last two years of David Krejci. Do you need to give Coyle a longer run at center to see if this guy is your heir apparent? Oh, good point. But nonetheless, it could be if you have Stadnicka, Frederick, uh, well, just Beecher, John Beecher. Beecher, these guys you, you're investing in, you think that they're going to develop, then you really don't need to have that Krejci heir apparent necessarily, and you still have. How many more years of Bergeron? Four years, something yeah. like that. So, um, and, you know, and let's face it, it's, it's it's easy for Coyle to go back. He's played both positions so much. He, he showed his versatility. I wouldn't be too worried about you know the future. I worry about this season because it's going to be a grind by far. I mean, whether the other teams are better, whether they're better, um, we know that the the, the hangover is real. Uh, the the Bruins started two and eight in two thousand eleven, something crazy number, and then didn't lose a game in November. <laughs> So you know things things change quick, but and especially when you played so many minutes. And you know, 2011-12 team did not have a 42 year old Chara, mm. uh, did not have a 30 whatever Bergeron. So um, you gotta inject some youth here and some com- competition. They, I don't necessarily know they've done it. That is noted Mets fan Matt Kalman. Congrats to uh, Peter Alonzo. Your Pete Alonzo. Oh, sorry, come on, his name used to be Pete. Peter, did it? No, it was never Peter. Was always Except Pete. on ESPN. What is he? The polar bear. The polar bear. The polar the bear and the squirrel. And the polar bear. These are the. Uh... I watched. I watched zero seconds of the home run derby. I am a 
Growing up, I don't watch people hitting bad. But Mets tickets are 80% off. 80% of year, off, so. exactly. I got my tickets look, 100% look, off, so I don't look care. Look for Calvin at City Field uh, for the rest of the year. Talk to you next week.